0: Hello and welcome to Kika's Corner. My name is Kika Matos and I am your host. The goal for the show is to focus on interesting topics and in people, social justice issues, and maybe just maybe a scandal or two. But always, 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 whatever we talk about will always have a New Haven edge. Um, the last time I was on the air, we talked about DACA and the Trump administration's efforts to shut down the program and block legislation leaving uh, an estimated 800,000 immigrant youth in despair and with a very bleak and desperate future. Today we're going to stay on the topic of immigration, um, in part because we have a growing crisis in our nation that's affecting people in our community, the people that we know and that we love. Um, And we want to share advice for New Haven immigrants uh, about what to do under the circumstances now. We want to share advice so that friends of New Haven immigrants know about uh, the right things to do, the right ways to be supportive of immigrants, uh, and we want to make sure folks know about the services that one local agency, Junta for Progressive Action, is offering immigrants. Uh, in the studio with me today is Sergio Rodriguez Ramírez, not Rodriguez. Sergio Ramírez, who is the community and youth organizer at Junta. For Progressive Action, which is located in my neighborhood, Fairhaven. Asedio has been working with immigrant youth around Dhaka and a bunch of other things, as well as advocating for immigrants in New Haven. And Asedio, you're a New Haven resident? Yes, I am. Well, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here.
0: That's great. So first, tell us a little bit about your job at Junta.
1: Definitely. So um, I'm a community youth organizer. What I do most of the time is try to get information to the community on how to be safe and protected. Uh, That starts with basic know your rights. And then we offer options on how to prepare a family emergency preparedness uh, for those people who have uh, mixed status families. Uh, And lastly, we connect individuals with uh, legal providers who can help them uh, either on a pro bono or low-bono basis uh, so that they can have some actual representation.
0: Is the majority of the, or are the majority of the young people that you work with um, immigrant youth, or are they um, Latino youth from all over, including Puerto Rico. Who are who are the folks you much, mostly engage with at Junta?
1: Uh, at Junta, on a um, as an organization, we engage with the whole Latino community. Um, and We served, um, you know, most recently we were at the front lines of um, the Hurricane Maria crisis and how uh, Junta was the lead organization in responding to that. Uh, my supervisor and the director for advocacy, Paola Sarecha, is a great. Uh, was great in leading that effort <clears throat> and uh, making sure that every person that came for, uh, and was a victim and was affected had wraparound services um, that you know, so that they could create a, a, a good life here, uh, okay. and the needed resources. Uh, so we engage in those direct services. Junta tries to provide. In my mind, I try to say m- make everyone's day better mm-hmm. by doing something immediate that they can help with. Um, we People that come to Junta often come with a variety of problems and we like to help as much as we can. Uh, and when we do that, we can see the immediate change in people's mind. And we, like I call it, it's pe- making people's day at least for that time. So that's what Junta really does. And it does a great job with um, all, the whole Latino community. Uh, and even, you know, uh, the African-American community as well with our beta taxes. So um, we are just really for the community as a whole.
0: Okay. And talk to me about the kind of work that you do with immigrant youth.
1: With immigrant youth, um, most of the work that we're trying to do is uh, renewing their DACA status. Okay. Uh, and informing them about what um, those protection means, especially in, in, in times like now that everything changes so quickly. So we always want to inform uh, our youth about what, uh, what is changing and what they should be doing uh, and, to have this protection.
0: And for those who don't know much mm-hmm. about DACA, tell us a little bit about what the DACA program is and what's happened recently.
1: Of course. I mean, the DACA program, I like to say it's really a story of American survival. It is a story about young people that came to this country were grow as children. And even in systems of oppression, even when many people were saying, no, they believed in their dreams uh, and what made America agreed. Uh, and they've, And we venture into that, uh, into into creating our own destiny. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in 2012, um, President Obama created the DACA program, which is the first action for childhood arrivals to give protection from deportation to about 800,000 dreamers. Um, And ever since, I can tell you that for those five years, I felt part of the American public like never before. And I felt that I could tap into my full potential. Um, what has happened recently is the quite opposite and um, there's a sense of betrayal uh, with uh, the recession of the program which happened on September 5th Um, and what happened on September 5th is really just um, a threat that people um, under this program would be facing deportation Mm -hmm. and also economic isolation. We're talking about um, removing their work permits. Uh,
0: so, what happened on that morning is that the Attorney General had a press conference, as I recall, and he delivered what was probably for me one of the most disgusting speeches. And for eleven minutes, he talked and maligned immigrants and said terrible things in it. And then at the end of it, said, "As of March fifth of twenty eighteen, DACA will be rescinded. So there will be no more DACA." Is that right? That's correct. And
1: okay. it, it, those words are really. Uh, triggering uh, Mm -hmm. for youth, for immigrant youth who have done anything but try to do everything by the law. And when we have our chance to come uh, to light and, you know, be registered with the government, we went ahead and we do so. Uh, And the threat that that is all going to be taken away, it it feels like a betrayal. Uh, And it really sent our community, um, put our our community at a very difficult times. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think... Persecution is how I feel in many ways of the immigrant community, and that's what is happening.
0: So talk to <clears throat> me. It's been five months now since the Attorney General made the announcement. And um, the only relief that, that there's been for immigrants is that there was an injunction that was issued by a federal judge. Um, I think it was California. Mm-hmm. And he said that um, uh, that DACA people could, DACA youth could renew their status, which means that for those, this is a, a two-year, um, that the DACA status extends for two years. So for two years you have a work permit and you have protection from deportation. And so since the injunction, young people have been able to renew their status. Uh, and for the duration of that injunction, uh, young people will still be able to renew their status Um And then something happened a few days ago in the Supreme Court that I'm going to ask you about. But before we get to the Supreme Court decision, um, you've been, uh, you're an immigrant yourself, you're steeped in immigration issues, you work with immigrant youth. Tell me what it's been like for young people who benefited from DACA since September and what that feeling is like thinking that you know, the the clock is winding down. I think now four days from now, DACA is officially over. So talk to me from a, a sort of a personal um, perspective and from the perspective of somebody who works so closely with immigrant youth, what it's been like for the last five months.
1: It's very difficult times. Uh, there's a lot of sense of anxiety about and uncertainty of what is gonna, going to happen with us. We live on... Hopes of Congress getting something accomplished through the f- different CRs that they uh, propose. So and our CRs, uh, CRs are continuing resolutions to fund the government. Um, so our lives are basically hanging on every three or four weeks that the government was going to negotiate with our lives. Um, it's very stressful and and it it causes a lot of fear and terror in many um, immigrants. Um, I'm a person that i think i'm very strong uh because of what i have endured and because of the system of support that i have been able to create um many people around new haven who are amazing uh but there's also people who don't have all the support group or don't have um uh, are people who are scared because of the announcements that Mm happen and so i have um you know recently people are able to still renew their status but the truth of the matter is the administration gave only a month for people to renew their status that would expire with, with anywhere between October to March fifth, and in Connecticut, that's about a thousand people. Now, expect uh, you know, as an organizer, my goal was let's count that we have a thousand people that renew their DACA status. Mm-hmm. But one of my fear and concerns was that many people were not signing up onto this program anymore because as it stands now, it is just lingering, um, you know, mm-hmm. and people don't want to um, provide all their personal information to the government because they're scared. And those are the people that I really want to talk about and say that even though we have the court injunction and, and people are still able to renew, people have already been affected by it. People have lost their jobs and uh, they're out of uh, protection from deportation and and. and if ICE really wanted, they could pick them up because they don't have that protection. And those are the people that this program really wanted to help. Right. You know, it's it's about creating something better and this, you know, DACA recipients, 96% of them are employed. We are an economic contribution and more than that. Um, and the program was meant to help people like us to reach full potential. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like it's an attack on us and, and our roles in society. The fact that we have become professionals. For me, sometimes it feels that if I, was, if I had conformed back when I was in school and I had just gone to, uh, like we say, that end job, like many people uh, were pushing me to, uh, sometimes I feel that that's what they wanted for me. Mm-hmm. But I want to do my own destiny because that's what's American.
0: Right. So what advice are you giving immigrant youth now with DACA status?
1: Well, with the core, uh, with Supreme Court... So tell
0: us what happened a couple of days ago in the Supreme Court. So a
1: couple of days ago, the Supreme Court dictated that um, they're going to let the lower courts uh, decide um, DACA, and for the meantime, it can stay. Okay. Um, so what that means is that people who have had DACA before and it's going to expire um, within three or, f- or five months, they should apply and get this protection. Okay. Uh, I would advise people to take as many protections as we have now, uh, and keep fighting for a for a dream act that will uh, give us a path to citizenship and it was a permanent solution. Um, but I would advise, please talk to a lawyer, get a screening for other forms of relief and renew your DACA. Don't lose this protection because even though it might not be as strong as before, it's, it's still something and you still have some status.
0: And is Junta doing workshops for people who need to renew their status?
1: Yes, we are. Um, in conjunction with New Haven Legal Aid, um, we coordinate um, uh, people who need a, a, a lawyer to review their application, and we have uh, those lawyers review the application. Uh, and even for people who have financial needs, there are organizations like Connecticut Students for a Dream and others uh, nationwide that can help uh, with scholarships because it is almost $500, and that is... Uh, it's That's a lot juicing, of money. Yeah. Um, so... We are able to do that, and Junta can mail um, your application and have um, um, uh, tracking on it, so that we make sure it gets delivered and it doesn't get lost.
0: And for anyone listening who wants to uh, use Junta's services for DACA renewal, what's how do they go about doing it?
1: Uh, they can definitely just call Junta and set up an, uh, an appointment. And uh, it's
0: two zero. Let if I remember <laughs> it from my days at Junta: two zero three seven eight seven zero one nine one.
1: That's correct. Um yes and um our clinics are now well DACA renewals are available on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. Um so they can just call in and uh we'll we'll get them set up.
0: Okay. Uh, you're listening to Kika's Corner on WNHH New Haven's Home for Community Radio broadcast on 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. So Sethy, I want to transition a little bit because one of the things that we've been hearing from immigrants all over the country is that um, everybody seems to be focused on the plight of immigrant youth, um, particularly those that have DACA, but we've forgotten about the remaining 11 million people who are living in this country now under an increasingly brutal administration that has gone out of its way to demonize and criminalize and deport immigrants. So, talk to us a little bit about what the what the Trump administration has been up to since last um, last January, and what uh, Junta has been doing to try to fight to support immigrants.
1: Uh, the, the immigration is the the migration system is a crisis, um, and it's. Like you say, we talk about this uh, small population that was created through a program. But uh, I remember when I was in middle school in seventh grade, marching in the streets of downtown for uh, calling for comprehensive immigration reform. At that time, we were talking about 10 million. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's, I'm a college graduate already. I'm 23 years old, about 10, 11 years old since that day. And we're talking about 800,000. Mm-hmm. For me, that is a huge setback. Um and it also comes at the cause of many deportations that has been happening. Um, so you know, for this ten years, people have been living here, um, and they this this is a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people that are every everywhere within our society nationwide, um, and to try to remove them um, and 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 turn our Nation into a hunting ground for immigrants is is really disturbing. And like I said, I feel that the immigrant community has been persecuted. Um,
0: Why do you say that? What's been happening under this administration? Give us some examples of of the things that have been happening that makes you use that that word.
1: Well, it it it, um growing up, I always felt safe in New Haven. Mm -hmm. I always felt safe, and today I don't. And immigration uh, deportation are getting closer and closer to me, okay. uh, even though I have DACA um, protections. Um, a brother-in-law of, of one of our friends was learning to a federal building uh, to sign on something for his son, and he was detained there. And those are the tricky um, policies that I is, is engaging in. I mm-hmm. think today we're safe to say that nothing is out of... Um, no, ICE can now pretty much do whatever they want. And it's it's just, it's disturbing because yeah. I, I would never thought that I would say that, that they can kind of do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that is the state in which they operate now. And, and right. it's it's completely disturbing uh, for someone who's an immigrant who has that as protection. But, I mean, I, I know people that when I was growing up, they, they made me happy and they were great people. They were community people. And these are the people who are going, who are, this uh agencies is going after
0: yep and and um part of the reason why is is it's not because um ice agents are just doing it because it's because they've been given permission and they've actually been encouraged to go after any and all the immigrants, and the reason for that is because of an executive order that Trump issued in January of twenty seventeen changing the Obama policies under Obama. Recall that people, he said, we're only going to go after uh, gangbangers and people with violent criminal histories. If you're law-abiding and you um, uh, you are a contributing member of, of society, we're going to leave you alone. We're not going to deport you. All of that has changed under Trump, right? So now we, we have Trump saying, uh, in the executive order, uh, he said there will now be... Um, This 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 policy is no longer in effect. And ICE has now permission to go after anybody and everybody uh, and they can deport whoever they want, whenever they want. And as a matter of fact, just yesterday, there was a rally a few blocks away because one of the latest really disgusting practices of ICE officers is that they're going into courthouses looking to round up uh, round up. Immigrants. So so your story of your friend, unfortunately, is nothing new. It's nothing exceptional. This is part of the practice that this new administration has encouraged and put in place. So in light of that, tell me what, you know, Junta is an organization that is very close to the ground. Um, you serve thousands of people every year. Immigration is an issue that you have, uh, the agency has taken on for at least the last 10 years. So given that things have radically changed and we have an administration that is very anti-immigrant, what are you doing to try to protect and support immigrants in this community?
1: Um, We do it so in in four steps. Uh, As an immigrant myself, I always think that um, if I drink kind of a a small kit for um, immigration protection, uh, it's, four steps and the first one is knowing basic uh, know your rights information okay uh, that can minimize uh, um, consequences when interacting with ice or with the police um, and um, how to effectively know if ice agents have a warrant signed by a judge or just by the um, immigration agency okay uh, so distinguishing between those two because um, like you said you know everyone now is uh, it's uh, 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 effectively a target of deportation. So knowing those rights um are essential, and that's the first step. Secondly, um because we live in in a mixed status world, I mm-hmm. mean,
0: uh, uh, tell us what mixed status so means. yeah,
1: I mean mixed status is I mean it's, it's just so <laughs> um there's so many contradictions that you have someone who is a U.S. citizen and in the family, uh the mother might be uh without status. Uh, and the dad might have some kind of status. Okay. Um, one of the kids or two of the kids might have uh, DACA. Um, you know, there might be two kids with DACA, but uh, another kid because he came a little bit late did not was not able to qualify. So really, just um, a mixed status uh, when it comes to immigration. Um, and understanding um, understanding kind of who is protected from deportation and putting. Uh, your kids or your property under the care of those people that can stay here is essential so that if you are ever detained, you can focus on staying in this community because it's your home uh, and not have to worry about who's taking care of your kids or if they've been fed or, you know, what's going to happen with your property. You focus on fighting your case. And then uh, the third step is we have, and what we're trying to create now, we have a lot of volunteers. Uh, We want to create an accompaniment of people who are, doing um, some kind of immigration application to collect all the documents, uh, to go and find those different proof of residency, um, all the documents that are needed. So that's step number three. And then finally, step number four is we have monthly legal clinics on the first Thursday of every month in the Fairhaven uh, Public Library where we have um, lawyers um, come and do screens for other forms of relief so we try to uh, give every member in our community or my goal is to give every immigrant in our community a at least 30 minute consultation with a lawyer to understand their options uh, of, of how they can maybe change status or get status uh, and their, um, how they can be protected here. Because uh, even though we are without status here in this country, we're still people mm-hmm. and we still have rights that are um, protected under the Constitution.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself. We've talked about DACA. We've talked about uh, policy around immigration uh, issues, including DACA, but not exclusive to, to DACA. And earlier, as you said, you were um, a beneficiary of DACA. So tell me a little bit about yourself. You are an immigrant from?
1: I come from Puebla, Mexico. Okay, I came here when I was in um, back in 2004. I was nine years old. Um, and the reason to come was to reunify with my mother. Um, migration is really a story about family separation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of my childhood was without parents. Uh, and I think until today, I still seek that um, those parents' figures that I never had growing up. Um, and for me, it's because of the immigration system. And that's why I'm so passionate, because I want to keep families together. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make... Uh, I don't want to end migration, but I want to make migration optional instead of forced.
0: So you came here at the age <clears throat> of nine to be reunited with your mother. And you've been here since the age of nine. And yes. you're now 23, 23. Okay, so you've been here for 14 years. Do you consider this your home?
1: This is my home. I went to Mexico and advanced parole through through DACA. Um, and I found out that my values are as american as they can get okay. um, in my own native land i felt a stranger and people were saying this is not the this is not america why are you acting like this and my response was regardless of where i go this is who i am and um, i mean i've been here 14 years those 14 years i've been in american institutions learning about american history and the greatness of america i identify with you know the pursuit the inherited and inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, that's what made me want to create my own destiny. Um,
0: and when, how old were you when you applied for and got DACA?
1: Um, I was in high school, I, f- I believe uh, I was 2013, so I had to be around 16, 17.
0: And how did that change your life for you? Oh, my
1: God, it, it was comp- it was completely different. Um I was able to apply for actually it was towards the end of my of, of my high school career um I applied for my driver's license I, I could finally drive I had been driven without a license because I had to I attended a private school mm-hmm. um and I worked at Dunkin Donuts on uh, uh after school so I had to get around um and transportation was a need uh so I was I with that I was able to get a license I was able to to work legally uh pursue my dreams of going to college and knowing that um, I had to, I could apply as a DACA student—it um, it just completely opened my uh, my world and it made me feel American. And I think that's what it really is.
0: And how did DACA affect your family as well? Because often when young people talk about how DACA has changed their lives, they also talk about how it transformed their families' lives as well. How did it change life for your family when you got your DACA status?
1: I mean, you know, w- w- when you live in, in the shadows, uh, and which is how all of the immigrant population lives, mm-hmm. um, you, there's this sense that you're not worth being part of the, of the main society in a sense and that you should conform to just working. Um, and in my household, uh, there were people who pressured me that way um, and it was because that's all they knew, and that's what they had been told, and that's what they were doing in this country. Uh, and with DACA, it was different. It was like, no, now you will have status. You can mm-hmm. put down your social security number. You can apply for a scholarship. You can apply to school. Um, you can apply to a job at a bank, at Junta, mm-hmm. and be able to work legally. Uh, and so, Many of my family, I think, when I when that guy came around, they saw that kind of this lonely journey that I had embarked on on pursuing education. I'm going to a private school was finally going to be worth it. It was like, all right, here's all the work that he made, but now he can have a career and reach full potential. Uh, that was it's it's a complete it's a complete mind shift. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh my god, like you can do. Anything you want, basically, it's limitless. Um, and, and that's what DACA really is. And that's why I, it, it upsets me that it hasn't become, because the, the mayor of the, uh, of the American public favors it, that it hasn't become um, legislation yet. It upsets me because so many people are being left behind.
0: So the latest poll I looked at was uh, issued yesterday, and it showed that over 80% of Americans actually support uh, not just DACA, but they support legislation to um, to offer a permanent solution to young people, so they're not their lives are not hanging in limbo. The real problem is that the two, there are two people who are responsible for blocking DACA because legislators tried on both sides of the aisle to move the legislation forward. One is our current president, Donald Trump, and the other is a white supremacist uh, who has been the power behind the throne and has been the person. Uh, really leading the charge on immigration. And that's a man by the name of Stephen Miller who takes a page book out of the, you know, he is the white supremacist dream in terms of moving legislation forward. Um, And that's the reason why uh, we haven't seen Dream Act legislation, but I think people are going to continue to fight um, until there's permanent protections for young people. Has your life, um, so, so my last, uh, question uh, has to do with um, your life and your hopes for the future. You are somebody who has DACA. We are living in, in a, a time of crisis for immigrants and we're all fighting to see if we can find a permanent solution for for uh, for immigrant youth. You have tasted the sweetness of freedom in this country and you've used uh, your DACA status to get an education and get a job and to have um, what all of us would consider a successful future. So, what do you what a successful career and a successful life? What does the future hold for you what What hope do you have as you look ahead?
1: <clears throat> My hope really um, it it really lies in in the community in the faith based community and um, we at Junta are going to make a call to action or um, all faith-based leaders to join us on March 5th. We're going to have a a discussion on how to make more churches sanctuary and save heavens for uh, Dreamers like myself who are going to be under the threat of deportation. Uh, So my hope is to really get uh, a lot of support and have more churches open up their doors so that effectively Dreamers can stay here and uh, seek refuge when it's needed because I want to stay in this country. Mm -hmm. I want to go to law school. Uh, I want to become an immigration lawyer um and the rest is yet to discover and that's what i think m- makes me american that um there's a sense of adventure that i, w- I want to s- go into and that is the same for um the 10 millions of us um so my hope is really to uh create this movement and just um i think the one thing that we from from the senate votes the one thing that was clear was The White House proposal of tackling DACA with three or four more issues—it's absurd. Yes. Um, What needs to happen is simple: the immigration is a crisis. Fix the Dream Act right now. Give them permanent, allow them to stay permanently because that's what the American favors. And then let's tackle immigration reform because it is a crisis, and there's people that are being chained. I saw. What my what made my uh, made question humanity? I saw five people chained in a in a courthouse down in, in, in Arizona. Five people getting the same trial. Mm-hmm. I mean that is not due process. It was and they were chained together. Mm-hmm. Before you could hear them, you could smell them. You could smell the dirt. Yeah. It broke my heart, and that's why I'm so passionate about this issue. Let's get the dreamers to permanent to citizenship because that's what the American wants. And then let's solve this issue that we've left behind for so long. I mean, our policy is outdated. It goes back to Reagan. We need a fix and we need it now. And that's my hope.
0: Thank you. That was beautiful. Uh, You're listening to Kika's Corner on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio broadcast in 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. So we're going to close with my usual questions for my guests. Um, the first question set here for you is, do you have any New Haven sheroes or heroes? And if so, who are they?
1: Oh, my God, there's so many. Uh, Rosa Laura is definitely uh, uh, there. Um, I mean, my I, my story would not be possible without it's all called Team Sergio that um, pushed me in middle school and high school to get my education. Um, former um, Mayor John DeStefano and uh, Judge Calabresi um, Larry Metnick and Steve Metnick who were, you know, at the beginning and show me kind of all oh, these great people that could help me. Uh, I have so many. New Haven is truly a place that I admire and call my home.
0: Beautiful. Uh, what's your favorite New Haven neighborhood and why?
1: Oh, my God. Um, the Hill. That's where I grew up. Um, yeah, it's, I love it. It's where I grew up. Uh, but I also love Fairhaven. I mean, Fairhaven is like um, you know, you have these other places that, ethnic places that are kind of, you know, Chinatown and that kind of stuff. Uh, for Haven, for me, is like Latino town, and okay. there's so many diversity and so many great people as well and doing great work. So I would have to choose those two.
0: Okay. If you could pick a superhero power, what would it be?
1: Wow. Well, um, maybe go back in time, meet some of the. Um, great heroes that made uh, this country better a more perfect union and ask their advice on how to move forward.
0: And uh, finally, what is your favorite New Haven pizza? Sally's, Pepe's, Modern or somewhere else?
1: Hey, I got to go with bar pizza. Oh, uh, that it, didn't make
0: my list. All it, right, it, I'll include it, it for the next one.
1: Yes. I you knew the people who work there. And like I say, um, immigrant communities make their an underground community that they thrive in. And um, bar was one of those places where I could go and uh, see friendly faces. Um, and if I didn't have money in my pocket, I could get a free slice sometimes. So, nice. Yeah.
0: Very nice. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today on Kika's Corner, for those of you who are listening. And a big thanks to today's guest, Sergio Ramirez, uh, who works at Junta. Until the next time, here's wishing you justice, solidarity, and many days of sunshine.